0: All right, so this is the last series in this Matthew chapter 9 and chapter 10 uh, series that we're looking about about the church, who we are, what's God called us to do, what that looks like in our lives, Jesus' authority specifically as it relates to who we are as Christians and, and what we're called to do. I was looking at this song, a, it was called, it's a song called Send Me, and I just wanted to read part of it as an opening. The lyrics read this, it says, if it's bandaging the broken or washing filthy feet here I am Lord send me if it's loving one another even when we don't agree here I am Lord send me if the truth cuts like an arrow I will say it anyway because here I am Lord Send me. And if it means they will reject me, Lord, I will still obey. Because here I am, Lord. Send me. We, as believers of Christ, we're followers of Jesus. We are his disciples. And what that means is that we are his followers, and so we're looking at this series about what does that mean? What does that look like? What does it look like when Christ calls us? And what does it look like to follow him? And why would we even follow him in, in the beginning to, to begin with? Like what's his authority? And what does that look like in our lives? And Matthew 9 and 10 is where I felt like God was leading me for all of us to look at as an example of what that looks like. Not only disciples' lives, but our lives as his disciples. It wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. And so I've asked everyone to put yourself in the position of these disciples as if Christ was calling you and doing these, asking you to do these same exact things. I pray that this series has stretched you as a Christian. I know it has me a little bit as well, and I pray that that has done that for you as well, uh, because any type of growth requires a little bit of pain, a little bit of stretching, right? That's just the way uh, that it is. And so, I was beginning to think of this, what God is doing here, and I wanted to ask, have you ever had an opportunity in your life that you didn't end up taking, and you wish that you would have taken? Anybody? An opportunity in your life, that one person. But you may be thinking about an opportunity in your life that you did not take. And it reminded me of a situation, made knows where I'm going with this, I've already asked her for permission, but it reminded me of a situation when Kelsey was little, and my brother has two daughters, and so the three nieces are about, my two nieces and Kelsey are about the same age. They wanted nothing more for Christmas than Cabbage Patch dolls. Cabbage Patch dolls had just come out. They're little. They wanted Cabbage Patch dolls, and at that time, we were younger, and we said, well, it looks like at Walmart, they're going to be on Black Friday Friday. Let's go, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was, and let's get these Cabbage Patch dolls. it will be much cheaper. So we set out to Walmart. You know how it was back. I don't know if it's still that way. We don't do it anymore. But back in the day, it was just a free-for-all, like, claws are coming out. It's just crazy. So we went there, got over to the area where the Cabbage Patch dolls, they were all gone. They were just gone. It was like, oh, We just stayed up all night. We're full from Thanksgiving. We didn't want to go anyway. And now there are no Cabbage Patch dolls. And then out of the blue, an opportunity arose. Here comes a lady, her shopping cart's full of Cabbage Patch dolls, like overflowing with these dolls. And Amanda waited till she wasn't looking, and she grabbed three of them out of her cart. She She took them all. Is it stealing? I don't know. We felt like she was in the wrong because she had taken all the Cabbage Patch dolls. There was no limit. We just saw an opportunity. We saw an opportunity, and we took it, man. It's a decision. Decisions in life. (laughs) But opportunities, you don't want to pass up. And I see that here at True Life Community Church. I know we have quite a few people are out today. People are tired, first day of school. Typically that way this Sunday after school started. But there's so much opportunity that God has brought to this church. I'm privileged to have a front row seat to what God is doing here. And I'm excited about where God is taking us. And And I don't want to miss out on the opportunity Uh, So I would continue to encourage you to pray through the handout that I give you to continue to pray for True Life Community Church, to not stop praying about all that God is doing here. And it's also important as we continue to serve the Lord through the local church to hold each other accountable, to preach the true Jesus, right? That's why we're looking at chapter 9 and 10. I'm sure this has maybe stretched you a little bit about who is this Jesus that I am following. Because a lot of the world, a lot of churches want to water down who Jesus is. To make him to be not offensive in any way. And not look at what God calls us to do and who we are in Christ. And I will give you an example in Matthew 10, verse 34 through 39, let's, let's look at that. If you have your Bibles, turn, turn, open them to Matthew chapter 10. Now, it's going to be up here on the screen. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Jesus says, Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemy will be those of his household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. These are the words of the living God. To his disciples, to you and to me. These are Things that he says separates, divides families. That he, he has not come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. That there will be divisions with you and your family. And if you become a follower of Jesus, to love him more than your own family, to take up your cross, to die for self, that is the real Jesus. And that Jesus is the head of this church. To be reminded of that. We look at these three principles as we're looking through Matthew 9 and 10 about Jesus' authority, like who he is, who are we following, that this is the Messiah, this is God incarnate, this is God in the flesh, and our calling about how does Jesus call us, what does that look like, and then what does following Jesus look like in our lives? And it's so important to know this and to understand this as Christ grows us because If I was to ask somebody in the community, do you believe in Jesus, probably around 90% would say yes. I believe in Jesus. He was a good teacher. He had some good moral teachings. Clearly he lived. Somebody named Jesus did something in the past. But if you ask them specifically, who is Jesus to you, there's going to be answers all across the board. So that's why it's important to be in God's Word and to, to understand that Christ is revealed through God's Word. If you think Jesus has good ideas, you're going to listen at times. If you believe Jesus is a good teacher, you'll apply some of his teachings to your life. If you believe he is a good example, then you will teach that to your kids. But as we look at the authority of Jesus and who Jesus is, that may change who we say Jesus is. In Matthew 9, 32-33, Jesus' authority. As they were going away, in verse 32, Behold, a demon-obsessed man who was mute was brought to him, to Jesus. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like the scene in Israel. But the Pharisees say, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. When you look at this and you see that Christ cast out a demon, that he can heal blind people, that he can raise people from the dead, as we've been looking at that, and you see the authority of Jesus, that he is the Messiah, that he come to shed his blood as we sung about on the cross to forgive us of our sins. God in flesh stepped down from heaven to, to live a perfect life for you and for me. And now he's calling us to, do, to be on mission as he was on mission. You're going to do greater works than me, Jesus said. Because I'm going through the Father. You're here. If that is the Jesus that you follow... It's going to change everything about the way that you follow Christ. Because if he's just a good teacher, he's just a good moral person, versus the Christ of the Bible, it's going to change everything about the way that you follow him. It changes everything. And I know verse 32 about casting out demons, the elephant in the room is like demons, and we see it in the Bible, right? He pulls up on the shore, there's this guy chained up and he's got demons in him. It is part of the Bible. It is true. We, we see it in there. Anyone ever here watch the Exorcist movie? I don't know. It freaks me out. I would never Oh, we got a couple people that's watched the Exorcist movie. I can't I couldn't watch it. It freaks me out. But they say there's some local history here. They say that that was based off an incident that happened just north of SLU, St. Louis University. Anybody not know that? Look it up on St. Louis Post-Dispatch if you want a freaky article to read. But it was actually not a girl. It was a 14-year-old boy from, from Maryland. Now, I don't, I've don't. i never seen anyone possessed. I don't want to see anybody possessed. I'm not, I'm not into exorcism. I don't suggest that you try to do an exorcism on somebody, it's probably mostly a mental health issue anyway, and so I would not recommend that you do that. But I want to point out a couple of things in relation to this story and take it back to Jesus, right, to talk about Jesus' authority. One, I want to point out that as a Christian, as a believer and follower of Christ, you have Christ within you. A demon cannot possess, cannot occupy the same space as Christ. So you don't have to worry about that as a believer. That's number one. The number two point that I want to point out about this story is that rabbis back then to get rid of a demon in somebody, they would have to coerce or trick, this is the way that they did it, they would have to coerce or trick that demon to say its name. You read some of that in the Bible, or you watch some of those movies, and the demon speaks, and they say their name. Well, they then would use that name as a handle to remove this from this individual. Now, this individual was mute, like couldn't speak, and so there was no way for anyone, any rabbi, to be able to help this individual with what they had going on. Jesus shows up. It's out. It's gone. Nobody else could help him. Jesus shows up. In just a matter of seconds, the demon's gone. This dude's healed. So that's why they were so marveled. That's why they were so marveled at the authority of Jesus. No problem for him. The last thing I want to point out is that sometimes churches, sometimes individuals, sometimes churches, Christians can get off track about demons, about this, or about that, or about politics, or about whatever it is. And that's why here and I want you to hold me accountable that we stay focused on Christ. Like this story is not about the demon. This story is about Christ. The whole Bible is about Christ. Like, we don't spend much time on demons. We spend all of our time on Christ, right? That's where the focus lies. And so I want to point to remind you of that. Like whatever the enemy, whatever this world tries to take you down, like we always have to stay focused on the gospel about, about Jesus. But I do want to tell you that the, the enemy in this world, they do try to take your voice away as well. Things that take your voice away are fear of man. The fear of an image that you're trying to maintain, like not your identity. Some identity that you don't have. That you've made up for yourself, like you're trying to maintain this identity. Other than your identity being in Christ alone, you're trying to maintain that. busyness, seeking the world over Christ. like that takes your voice away. You have a voice. You have Christ within you. Use it. God wants you to use it. Number two. Is our calling. I wanted to go back to Matthew 10, verse 7. I thought this was an important one to look at as we wrap up this series. Matthew 10, verse 7. Jesus said, he, he called his disciples. He says, go out. Go. Like We see that in the Great Commission. Go. And here's what he says to do when you go. And he says, proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand proclaim it declare it as you go make disciples it doesn't look like that was a suggestion to me like hey if you get around to it if you think about it tomorrow or maybe two weeks from now or maybe come back we'll talk about it more he says no 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 go and declare go and make disciples he's basically saying hey you're a preacher you may say well, what what did you just call me Just call me a preacher. Not literally, but this word go as you go, declare, verse seven, is proclaim or preach. Proclaim or preach. In the Greek it says announce publicly. Announce publicly. And that may scare some of you half to death go and declare publicly that the kingdom of God is at hand the great commission in, later in Matthew 28 before Jesus is a like I remember one time early in my walk I said I I bet the last thing that Jesus says on earth is really really important so I just like flipped to Matthew 28 like toward the end and I said ah there it is the great commission didn't even know what that was at the time and I read it and I said, man, that must be extremely important. And he says, all authority in, on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey or observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I will be with you until the end of age, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And he says, go and teach them. To observe all that I have commanded you. All that I have commanded you. And here in this verse we see a commandment. Go and tell others about the kingdom of God. You may be wondering, well, what is the kingdom of God? What is Jesus telling me to do? I can make the kingdom of God into a four-part series, a long study. There's a lot to it. But I want to read to you this. Narrowly today, the kingdom of God is a spiritual rule over the hearts and the lives of those who willingly submit to God's authority. Those who defy God's authority and refuse to submit to Him are not part of the kingdom of God. In contrast, those who acknowledge the lordship of Christ and gladly surrender to God's rule in their hearts are part of the kingdom of God. And if you recall the conversation with Nicodemus, like, what do I need to do to have eternal life? What do I need to do to be part of this new kingdom? And Jesus says, you need to be reborn. He says, what am I supposed to do, crawl back up into my mother's womb and be reborn? Jesus is talking about being spiritually reborn. Spiritually being reborn, right? Born again Christian. Born again into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, we cry out in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as in heaven, right? The kingdom of God and God's will is being done in heaven. And it should be being done in our hearts through the authority of Christ. And one day, Christ will return and all things will be made new. He will reign over His kingdom on earth, and we will be under His authority. But for now, we live in this world, a broken and sinful world. But we carry the good news of the kingdom of God everywhere that we go. You have been reborn under a king. This is why the authority of Christ is so important. Dying to self, giving the authority to Christ, kingdom come. Represented in you. Represented in the church. Christ's bride. This is Christ's bride. Here. He is the head of the church. The local church was created by Christ, yes, for believers. For a community of people who know Jesus intimately. Right? To people that know Jesus intimately, to be able to come together as a local body to encourage, to equip one another, iron sharpens iron, right? We're, we're, we're being sent out all week where we live, work, and play, right? We're, we're going out as missionaries to declare the kingdom of God. And on Sunday, we come together and we worship together. We come together with the people that also have intimate relationship with Jesus and have the same mission, the same Lord, The same Christ living within us and we encourage one another. We equip one another. It is for the believers. But it's also the church is to get the gospel, the kingdom out to people, to work together to accomplish that. The church is not to entertain. It's not to make you feel good. It's not a self-help class to solve all of your problems. Not to make you healthy and wealthy. Now, I hope you have fun and laugh and make relationships and have a good time and you feel good about yourself from times. And I do pray that through the Word of God that it does solve some of your problems. That's not the purpose of the church. Christ is the head of the church. He says, my house should be a house of prayer, of preaching, of worshiping. That's the purpose of the church. And then to be sent out as missionaries, to go, declare, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus is asking Peter, well, who do you say that I am? The world is saying that I'm all these things. Well, who do you say that I am? He says, well, you're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. He said, the Father told you, gave you that. It's a gift. And he said, on this rock... I will build my church. You got to pick up on that, right? My, I will, I will build my church. Not Gene's church, not somebody else's church. I will build my church on this. And you may say, well, is he talking about himself? Is he talking about Peter? Is he talking about the gospel? What's he talking about when he says on this rock, the word of God, on the gospel, on him, on Peter? All the above, yes. All the above, yes. But for this instance, we're talking specifically about on this rock, I will build my church on declaring who Christ really is, that he is the Messiah, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. In there, he talks about building my church. This is the first time that church has ever been mentioned in the Bible, ever. And it's a word called ekklesia, and ecclesia is not a religious word at that time. It was simply a called-out group. So you can consider yourself as a church, a called-out group that has an intimate relationship with Christ. That's all we are, is a called-out group of people who have a relation, a personal relationship with Christ. A called-out group that's on mission to declare the kingdom of God. You can look at this packet if you don't have it. If you haven't received one of these, you can look at this. This has all of our mission, our vision, and our values of who we are in this unique context and a unique calling and a unique time of how we are going to be doing that. Mission, vision, and our values. I would encourage you to read that and pray through it. I think Amanda mentioned in um, September there's two dates to stay after church. We'll have some food. And anyone, even if you've been serving since Moby Dick was a tadpole, we are still going to be doing training um, around everything that we're doing here at True Life. We're going to be changing up some systems and processes and things like that and going through each kind of section training. So I want to encourage you to stay after uh, one of those two uh, Sundays just for training as we work collectively as a body of believers to serve the Lord and to serve one another. The last point here, um, what following looks like. Matthew 10, 40 through 42. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet Because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. Truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. You may read that and think, what is happening here? Jesus is talking about a reward. A reward or the work that we do. We've looked at what it looks like to follow Jesus as being you will be persecuted. Not to fear that there will be division in your own household. To do nothing out of selfish gain as we follow Christ. But we, we haven't talked about the rewards. We just read those and what that looks like. It could be in heaven, it could be now. Again, this is not like prosperity gospel. It doesn't mean that you give and you're going to get rich that there is going to be some type of reward for you on earth and in heaven. And what Christ is talking about here is that reward comes from giving, from giving. And he's specifically talking about the care for another follower of Christ. Did you see that? If you care for a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. Even if you give a cup of cold water to one of the little ones, a follower of mine, a disciple, that there will be reward. Christ is so, even looking at the details of what if we give and give a cup of water to another believer in Christ, that there will be rewards in heaven. He says it's even as if you were doing it upon me when you care for another disciple you haven't seen him for a while you give him a call you write him a letter you check up on him you take him to coffee whatever it is that you do for another believer in Christ Christ sees it and is as if you were doing it to Christ that's how much he values you you as a disciple, as a follower of His and the mission that you've been called to here on earth. And we all have a part to play. Even if it's just caring for those that are called out. We all have a part to play. Giving giving requires faith and dying to self. It's what Christ calls us to do. I tell everybody that my tendency and my fleshly stuff is to go home and watch a football game. I don't do anything for my neighbor? I'd rather just, <laughs> just Tired. It takes dying to self. Right? To care for others. Last week I talked about giving. And it's a heart issue. And not, not a budget if, issue. And about tithing. And Malachi 3.10. I would encourage you to write that down. And go read it as God challenges us. To give faithfully. He said, You can test me in this. So one thing you can do is you can test me in giving and see what I do. Malachi three ten. Everything you have belongs to God. It's a blessing from Him. We should live with open hands, open hearts. God takes out, he puts in as he sees fit. He is Lord of our lives. He is Lord of everything that we have. Giving, whether it's a cup of cold water or financially or whatever, it's, it means ministry happening. It means caring for everyone that's here. It means getting the gospel, declaring the kingdom of God as a hand to our community. That's what it means. Serving others as if we are doing it to the Lord. I always say that with your work, struggling with a boss or struggling with your work. Just do it for the Lord. You're not doing it for anyone else. You're doing it for the Lord. Makes it easier. So the application is really pray about coming to one of those training events so we can work together as a body. And to pray about giving. Like, Lord, how can I live with an open hand? And how can I care for those that are around me that are believers how can i care for my community to honestly and openly pray about that to the lord i want you to receive the blessings and the rewards for that i don't want you to miss out on that god has it he has that for you so to wrap it up to be a follower of jesus i think this wraps up and summarizes all of this Matthew 9 and 10 that we've been going through for four weeks now. And I just want to focus on three verses real quick as we wrap it up. If you've kind of dozed off like, hey, I'm tired. It's cloudy out this morning. I'm sleepy. Hey, zone it in. Three things real quick. To be a follower of Jesus, Matthew ten thirty seven. This is the word of, our, of the living God. Jesus says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus demands that we love Him more than any anything else in this world. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. To intimately know God. And it's not a drudgery. It's, it, you get to know Christ, you're going to love Him. He's a good God. He's a good, good Father. Matthew ten thirty eight, And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Pick up your cross. If someone seen back then, somebody carrying a cross as, as Christ is carrying the cross up to Calvary, that's a dead man walking. Anyone carrying their cross is a dead man walking. The Bible says to pick up your cross daily. It is a heavy load to carry. We are Jesus' disciples. We experience a lot of the same things that Christ experienced. We look like Christ. We act like Christ. He says, you also pick up your cross. In Matthew ten thirty nine. whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you want life, lay down your life. The kingdom of God is opposite. It's upside down. Die to self, right? Don't live for this world. Live for Christ and die to self daily. That is where you will find true life. That's where you will find joy, happiness, peace, hope, love. That's where you will find true life. This world is upside down. It is opposite of the kingdom of God. You have to know the word of God to know the kingdom of God because it is different than this world and what this world teaches us. You have an opportunity in front of you today I don't want you to miss it I don't want you to miss it to pick up your cross to die daily to follow the God who loves you so much that he would send his only begotten son I could never send one of my children to die for anyone to follow the lover of your soul to be reborn spiritually into a kingdom of God that is perfect, that doesn't have all the craziness of this world, that the king who rules justly, who loves you, who calls you son and daughter, that is the kingdom that we are born into. We're born into purpose and meaning, eternal purpose, eternal meaning. And God doesn't have to use us, but He chooses to use you. What a blessing that is. What amazing that is that God would ask us to help him with his kingdom. He gives us purpose. I don't want you to miss out on that opportunity. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, there is a great opportunity in front of you today. I don't save you. This church doesn't save you. God saves you. His word saves you. His word says... All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That separates us from God. And anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, believe in their heart that God raised them from the grave three days later, will be saved. That's your opportunity today. I pray that you take it. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word we thank you that your word declares the one and true Messiah. That the Messiah has already come. The work has already been done. There's nothing left to do other than following Christ, declaring the kingdom. But all we're doing is we're waiting on Christ's return for the real kingdom to come. So Lord, I pray in the meantime that we, we follow you that Christ is head of this church. That your will be done. That this house, that this church is a house of prayer. And the prayer aligns us to Christ's will for our lives and for this church. Because Jesus, He has all authority. He has authority over this, this earth, heaven. As you say, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Christ. He has authority over our lives. I pray that it is a joy for every single person that's here to follow Jesus. Whatever that looks like in their lives. And I pray that they are reminded that even giving a cup of cold water to another believer in Jesus, another follower of Christ, that Christ sees it as if if we're doing it to, to you, Lord. And there is a reward waiting for us in heaven. We don't do it for rewards. We do it simply out of love for our Savior. I pray, Lord, you grow our love for you. Lord, we can't follow you that way. We are sinners. We are broken. We are of this world. The only way we can do that is Christ in us. Help us, Lord, to to understand our weakness. Your power is made perfect in our weakness. Let us admit our weakness as sinners and ask you to do that within us and depend upon you and your power within us. Lord, I ask that you are doing that now. Make us more like Christ. we all collectively ask for your kingdom to come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.